Now, if you would turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. The author of Hebrews, we don't know exactly who wrote Hebrews, what human uh, instrument God used to write this book. But the author of Hebrews says in chapter 6, verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, the author of Hebrews here is explaining to his readers how they can trust in God's promises. You see, he's concerned that the, that the people that he is writing to, uh, they are under intense persecution. Specifically, they're being persecuted by Jewish people who are trying to get them to recant their faith in Jesus Christ and in the grace of God for salvation. They, the Jewish people put their hope in the, in the law and in the priests and in the sacrificial system. And so these Jewish people are, are persecuting these Hebrew Christians. And the author is encouraging them to instead remain steadfast, to be unswerving as they endure persecution and to be unwavering in their commitment to Christ. Now, he starts uh, back up in verse 13 using Abraham as an example of someone who waited upon the Lord and therefore obtained the promises of God. And he uses Abraham to encourage his readers to likewise seize the hope before them because God has guaranteed His promise with an oath. And because Jesus has entered the inner sanctuary of God's presence, He says we have a sure and firm anchor for our souls. So like the original readers of Hebrews, we can also discover this enduring hope when we do three things. The first we see in verse 18 is when we make God's Word our foundation. We can have enduring hope when we make God's Word our foundation. Look back at verse 18. He says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. Now, you'll notice over here on the Christmas tree an anchor. And he talks about anchor he uh, uses the image of an anchor. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes uh, in this passage. Now, when we think of anchors, we think of the beach or the ocean or maybe some big cruise ship. Uh, I always think of Love Boat. I, you know, it's, I grew up, you know, early 80s, so I, I can't help that. But, um, but yeah, so he says that, that an anchor, that Jesus is an anchor for our soul. Now, an anchor keeps a boat secure, okay? It keeps it, you know where it wants to be. It doesn't drift out, you know, away from the, the shore or, or where it wants to be uh, moored. And just as an anchor keeps a boat secure, a foundation keeps a house or a building stable, doesn't it? You want a good, strong foundation for your home or where you work or for this sanctuary. And Jesus tells a parable about the value of building our lives on a strong foundation. He talks about the man who built his house on a rock and the man who built his house on the sand. And when the waves and the storm came, the man who built his house on the sand it collapsed. But the man who built his house on the rock stood firm. 
And Jesus says that when we build our lives, not on the shifting sand of societal norms or public opinion, but when we build our lives on the solid, firm foundation of His Word, we can withstand anything that life sends our way. While the world around us is constantly changing and unstable, we can count on the unchanging truth that God cannot lie. And He will never go back on His Word. We can find stability. We can find encouragement in that truth. And that's why we can take hold of the gospel. Like a person fleeing from danger might take hold of someone's hand who came to rescue them. Just imagine Mary and Joseph on their journey to Bethlehem. Anxious about the trip. Worried about where they're going to find a place to stay. About the baby's birth coming during this ill-timed journey. But they found encouragement in the Word of God. In the ancient prophecies that said the virgin would give birth and that from Bethlehem, small among Judah, a ruler would be born ancient and strong. They drew hope from the angels' promises that God is trustworthy and will do what He has said. If we are to find hope and encouragement, we also need to build our lives on the trustworthy Word of God to believe in His promises. But more than that, you see, we have to understand that to believe in God's Word is not passive. Belief isn't just something that you have. Belief is something that you do. Faith isn't just a passive thing that kind of just comes upon you. Faith is something you have to put into action. And so in addition to to trusting in God's Word as our foundation, secondly, we have to trust God by seizing hope. By seizing hope. Hope. There in verse 18, he talks about that. He says, uh, he says, uh, God did this so that by two unchangeable things, which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. That word take hold of means to grab hold of, to seize. The readers of Hebrews could find encouragement through seizing the hope that was available to them in Christ. You see, finding and keeping hope demands strong action, not aimless drifting. And the author describes himself and the believers that he's writing to as fleeing. That's interesting. He says that they are fleeing to take hold of the hope Christ offers. Now, what would they be fleeing from? Well, they're fleeing from the same thing we flee from. They flee from sin. They flee from Satan. They flee from the uncertainty of this world. And these verbs in, verses eight, in verse 18, flee and take hold of, are, urds, are words of urgent and decisive action, aren't they? To flee. It's not just to walk away from something. It's not just to mosey away from something. You know, it's fleeing. Danger. We've we got to run away. We're running for our lives. And take hold of, grasp, seize. It's like somebody grabbing hold of a lifeline. You know, you're, you're adrift out in the water and somebody throws you a, a life uh, preserver. You seize it. You grab hold of it. And you hang on for dear life. But let's look over at the next book in the New Testament. If you'll just hold that and flip over, you can just look on the screen. In James chapter 2... James is writing a letter and whereby he's addressing people who think that faith means to just kind of mentally agree with a list of doctrines. 
Oh, yep, just check these off. I, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. that. That faith is just like this mental ascent to a list of doctrines. That's all it is. And he's writing to people who their faith, you know, hasn't, hasn't really changed their lives. There's people that, that they say they believe in Jesus, but they live like the world. There's no change in them. And James is counteracting this idea. Listen to what he says in James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, I will show you my faith by what I do. James issues a challenge there. How can you show someone you have faith if your life doesn't match up? If you don't do something about what you believe? If you're going to take an airplane and fly somewhere, you can believe that that airplane is going to get you where you're going, but what do you have to do to get there? You have to get on the plane, don't you? Your belief is nothing if you don't get on it and do something. Now, James goes on in this passage, like the author of Hebrews did in the verses preceding our text this morning. James goes on to use Abraham as an example. So it's interesting. In both of these passages, they point to someone who acted on his trust in the one true God, a God that he could not see, leading him to a land that he did not know, to obtain a promise he did not understand. And Abraham acted on his faith. He picked up his family. He left everything he knew behind, and he trusted and followed this God to a land that he said he would show him when he gets there. He trusted that God would make him an old man who didn't have any children, the father of a mighty nation. And when that miracle son was born, and God later tested Abraham by asking him to take that son and sacrifice him, Abraham was willing to trust that somehow he would return his son to him alive. That is faith. That is seizing hold of hope. Just as old Zechariah and Elizabeth, you know, in the Christmas story, you know, Mary's cousin Elizabeth and she and her priestly husband, Zechariah, they were old in age and they were childless. But they seized onto the hope that as the angel said, they would have a son, John, who would be the forerunner of Jesus. Just as a teenage girl, Mary seized onto the hope that she had found favor with God and would be the mother of Israel's Messiah. Just as old Simeon waiting for years and years in the temple to see the Messiah come, just as old Simeon seized on the hope that before he died, he would behold Israel's Redeemer. This morning, whatever you're facing, whatever the odds are against you, whether you can see, know, or understand how everything's going to work out for you, I encourage you this morning to seize onto the hope that we have from God, the trustworthy promises of His Word. And then finally, number three, once you seize on to the hope and you're building your lives on the foundation of God's Word, cast your hope on Jesus like an anchor. Like an anchor. Cast your hope on Jesus. Now, this symbol, this anchor symbol for hope, 
You know, it's an interesting choice that he uses. When I think of an anchor, I don't think of hope. When I think of hope, I don't necessarily think of an anchor. So why, why the anchor? What's the author of Hebrews trying to say? Well, really, there are two images in verses 19 and 20. Two images that he draws on. One is the anchor, but the other is the high priest. Now, see, the role of the high priest is that he would go into behind a curtain into what was called the Holy of Holies in the temple. Okay, this was a sacred place. This is where the Ark of the Covenant used to sit. It's where the, the once a year, the, the, the lamb would be slain and its blood would be taken into that inner sanctuary and it would be put over the altar there to atone for the sins of the land. The blood of a spotless lamb would stave off the wrath of God for another year. Now, one of the key themes of Hebrews is how Jesus came to give us a better covenant than the old Moses' covenant in the Old Testament. Jesus, the author of Hebrews tells us, is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. If we have Jesus, we don't need the law anymore. He says Jesus is the spotless Lamb of God. He came to die as a once-for-all time perfect sacrifice for our sins. Because of Jesus, we don't have to keep sacrificing lambs anymore. The author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is our high priest and He is far superior to any human priest because Jesus is Himself sinless. Yet He can sympathize with our weaknesses because He was tempted in every way that you and I will ever be tempted. Jesus is the mediator between a holy God and a sinful humanity. And Jesus has gone where none of us could go. He went behind that curtain. He went into the holy presence of the Father to atone for our sins once and for all and to continually, even to this day, to intercede on our behalf before the throne of the Father. And that is the anchor of our souls. That is the gospel the good news of God's grace through Jesus Christ. So when we trust in Jesus Christ as the anchor of our souls, as the foundation and the center of our lives, we are firm and secure in Him for all time and eternity. But the image of the anchor is an interesting one. I'm not going to pick it up again because it's getting me all glittery. I'm going to sparkle when I leave here today. So. But the image of the, of the anchor is an interesting one. Because an anchor, and especially, you know, when I think of anchor, again, I think of love boat, right? So I think of like this big giant anchor that just kind of plopped right into the water. But an anchor in Jesus' day was something that they would cast out into the water. And it would hold them secure where they needed to be. Now think about it this way. Hope isn't just a lifeline that we seize. Hope is an anchor that we cast. And we cast it into an unknown future. We cast it behind a curtain that we can't go through, but Jesus has gone through it for us. We cast it in trust, not in us, but in Christ our Captain. We have a firm basis of our hope because Jesus finished His work on earth and continues that work in heaven as our high priest carrying us where we could never go on our own into the very presence of God. He is our forerunner and the assurance of our admission into heaven. And because our anchor, our hope in Jesus, has been cast into a future where we're forgiven, where we're, we've been made clean and holy, where we will dwell eternally in the presence of God, that means that we can live today in full assurance that God loves us, that He is for us.
and He is with us. The author of Hebrews goes on in chapter 10, verses 21 through 23, to say this. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for He who promised is faithful. Amen. May Christ's presence before God fill us with hope, encouragement, and endurance. With the strength we receive from Jesus, may we find the true staying power to endure in our commitment to Emmanuel, God with us. May we be as faithful as Mary and Joseph, as expectantly hopeful as Zechariah and Elizabeth, as filled with holy anticipation as old Simeon, watching and waiting daily to see the promises of God fulfilled. And we can. We can if we build our lives on the foundation of God's Word. If we seize onto the hope that God will fulfill His promises. And if we cast that hope like an anchor fully onto Jesus who came into this world so that we might be cleansed from our sin and can stand confidently before the throne of God in heaven as His sons and His daughters. We've seen the symbols of hope this morning. The story of hope brought to a lost world by the God of hope. We see the symbols of hope adorning this tree and this sanctuary. We see the white lights upon this tree that remind us of the pure and unselfish love of God whose Son Jesus is the only hope for our souls. So may these stories, these symbols, and these lights remind us today and in the days to come of the love of God and of the hope that we find in Him. I pray that you have found that hope in Jesus Christ. I pray that these are more than just symbols and stories to you, but they are your very lifeblood. I hope that you realize that this isn't just a story of people long ago. This is your story, and it's my story. And if you've never invited the author of this story into your life, then here in a moment as we sing, I hope that you'll come. Today, right now, this morning, I'll be standing right here to receive you. Would you come and let Christ be born anew in your life today? by giving your heart to Him. That Christmas will be more than just a holiday. It will be the birth of your King and your Savior. Maybe you've professed your faith in Jesus Christ. You've asked Him into your heart, but you've never been baptized. And you want to come this morning to present yourself for baptism. Maybe you and your family have been worshiping with us for a while, and you know this is where you want to be a part of this eternal story and to help tell the good news to others. Whatever God has laid on your heart as we sing, I hope that you'll respond. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, we love you and thank you for this service and for the amazing truth that these symbols proclaim. And God, as we go throughout the rest of December and we see bells and candles and greenery and lights all around, may each and every one of them remind our hearts of the hope that is ours in Christ. And as we go into a new year very soon, a year that... It's filled with uncertainty. We don't know what's even going to come tomorrow. Help us to cast our anchor of hope into that future, trusting that you're going to lead and guide us. And I pray, Father, you would lead and guide us right now during this time to respond in obedience to you. In the name of Christ we pray.
All God's people said,